I'm not going to complain about Superflex 48. I'm not going to complain about Superflex 48. I'm not going to complain about my Nikolai. Welcome into the officially unofficial Roto Heat Guillotine League podcast. I'm Kevin Kloss. This is the first. It is the first week we will have a recently balanced member of the league coming onto the show. It takes some major stones, and Travis G is going to do that. He's going to join me today. We are going to talk all about the letdown from Tyreek Hill. Who should we have drafted in this league that we didn't draft and it is hurting us? We're going to take a look at Fab and we're going to talk about the blood war that is Travis G and Anthony Leone. Now before we get started, Anthony was set to come on this show. He was clearing his schedule. He was making room. He was going to come on here. We were going to talk about why his team had gotten bounced. And then in a matter of hours, everything changed. We tried to reach out to Anthony. And we said, I I said to him, I go, Anthony, what do you have to say? You almost got bounced. What was the deal there? Were you scared? This is what he said. I am seeing your chain and I'm so ill. This is a warning. I can't be killed. And we went back to him again and said, A.L. Anthony Leone, my guy, should you be concerned about the fact that you were this close, 0.22 points away from being bounced? And again, the bravado. This is what he says. I'm a weirdo. Yeah, I'm a weirdo. People looking at me crazy. I don't care, though. I'm a weirdo. Weirdo. Ask me if I give a fuck. I say fuck no. Enough of Anthony Leone. We're moving things right along now. We are going to get in to our conversation with Travis G. I'm not going to complain about Nikolai Groves. I'm not going to talk about losing in a different league, Superflux 48, because of an Aaron Rodgers performance because Detroit couldn't get a friggin' stop and a stupid shovel pass counts as a touchdown pass. We're going to talk to Travis G, and it's all going to be good. Here we go. Travis G, my guy, thanks for coming on this week and talking a little bit about your time in our guillotine league. However short it is, but uh, happy to be here. (laughs) So I understand it's a painful conversation to kind of go back and have, but before we actually talk about what what ended up happening to your team, I I do want to say, and I know this comes as little consolation at this point, I did think that the huge selecting the name, the Travis football team was a very good choice prior to everything that went down. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you know, I'm not the most creative person. So um, I figured a, a very nondescript name because, you know, uh, Curtis specifically called uh, me and Travis, uh, the other Travis out for, uh, you know, having the same name. So I, I figured I would go very, very nondescript. Now, I can't remember off the top of my head, and the guillotine league is set up a little bit differently, so it's not as easy to go back and look. How did you fare in week one? Were you pretty safe in week one away from the chopping block? Well, as it, as it happened, um, I was only safe because of Tyreek's 38 points last week. So it's kind of fitting that, you know, he did me in this week. 
I do think it's I do think it's interesting that you say that Tyreek did you win, and I, I knew at some at some point we would obviously talk about this. I think that's that's the narrative around the exit. The narrative around the exit is, hey, Tyreek Hill only got you like le- less than six points, and that's ultimately what ends up bouncing you from the league. So I guess we start with Tyreek Hill. Let's just be honest. You had to think he was getting you more than six, right? Like going into that game. Absolutely. I, you know, I wasn't thinking he was going to, you know, get like 25 points or anything like that, but it, it, you know, you know, you got to think he's good for at least 10 points a game, you know, on, on his off weeks. Right. Um, but six points or 5.9 as it would like, that's, yeah, that's, that's tough to swallow, especially since they, they had the ball and, um, you know, weren't really using him on that last drive before they fumbled. Yeah, you know, just watching the game, you could see he, that they were trying to do as much as they could to take him out of it. And I just, I'd seen enough of the Chiefs over the last couple of years to, to see a lot of this bend, don't break stuff. And eventually, you know, it just breaks. And the whole time I just figured he's going to just get one of those plays. He's going to get one of those plays where double move and he's just faster than everyone else and Mahomes just chucks it up to him you know 40 yard completion 35 yard touchdown whatever it is and that was going to be into the story that was going to be you surviving that was going to be Anthony Leone going home and Anthony was already making time in his schedule for this he came out and said he was starting to rearrange his schedule to come on this show and then and then the Tyreek Hill thing happens at what point did you think he's not getting another catch was it the fumble by CEH, or up until that fourth down where Lamar is able to get that yard, did you think there was still a shot? Well, I, you know, I was starting to get that sinking feeling in my stomach like it wasn't going to happen. And then when the fumble happened, I was like, oh, we're, we're, we're done here. That's, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it happens. It's fantasy football, right? It, mm-hmm. you, know, um, you know, anybody can win on any given week, uh, depending on, on what what your team looks like. So, um, you know, am I bitter? Yeah, a little bit, but whatever. I woke up the next morning and I was, uh, you know, I was fine. So um, now, you know, Anthony throwing in the chat a few more times, uh, you know, about the, the margin of victory there, uh, you know, that, that stings a little, but um, I'll get over it eventually. He is tempting fate to the utmost degree right now for someone who, was all but declaring his own demise before the start of that game uh, to now be brandishing, what is it, 0.22? Is that what it was? Yeah, it was 0.22. It, it's probably, yeah, I'm, I'll almost guarantee that's the closest uh, loss I've ever had. So for him to be brandishing that 0.22, you know, braver men than I have tried to predict fantasy football and come up looking foolish that's coming up to get him. That's coming back to get him at some point. And, and be honest, does part of you hope he goes out next week just because he keeps bringing it up? You know, I, I will. Yeah, there, there's a part of me that, that just hopes he goes out next week too, just, just because, you know, um, you know, he, he has kind of, you know, thrown that point to two out there a few times, but then, you know, another part of me is like, ah, own it. You should put point two two in his team name somewhere and 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 just you know run with it the rest of the year and maybe run the table. 
That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. A name change could be coming for Mr. Leone. You know, on the Tyreek Hill thing, you know, like I said before, I feel like he gets a lot of the attention because, I mean, he's really the superstar on your team. And he's the one that was probably, if you look at what he got versus his expected output, that's probably where you had the largest discrepancy. And I understand this is like a, you know, an unpleasant conversation to have, but as I, I pull up your team from last week and I just kind of look down the roster and I see Justin Herbert, obviously you're going to start him, Elijah Mitchell after week two, you know, I think it made sense to run him out there against Philly. You kind of have to start James Robinson, you know, Chase Claypool, Tyreek, Robert Woods, Goddard. I think those all make a lot of sense. At any point, did you think it was unsafe to start David Johnson? Because that's, that's where I look when I'm looking back at your team and going, where could he maybe have made a, a different move to stick around? David Johnson's a rough start. Yeah, that's true. And I – you know, I, I probably debated him a little bit and I, you know, I, I forget, I think he even asked a, a buddy about it. And, um, I, I forget who the, the other one was instead of, uh, David Johnson. I think it was, Oh, it might've been David Johnson or Van Jefferson. I think I was thinking leaning towards, um, so turns out, you know, I ended up getting a few more points out of Johnson than Jefferson. I know, you know, could I have started Michael Carter? Yes. But you know, he, he hadn't really shown much in week one. And, you know, so I wasn't really, uh, you know, thinking of throwing him out there against New England. But, um, I, I mean, yeah, I can, you know, um, I can de- debate all the, the sit starts, uh, sure. you know, as long as I want. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I started a team. I had a chance to win. And, you know, yeah, you know, Tyreek should have, you know, got me through for the week. But, um, you know, I, I, I mean, it was kind of a letdown across the board, right? It wasn't just David Johnson. I mean, you know, um, you know, James Robinson didn't really, you know, set the world on fire. Um, Claypool, Goddard, like, you know, it's it's kind of a bunch of meh, you know, like a, a bunch of like middle of the road fantasy scores. So. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely hear you on that. It's just, you know, it's funny. Occasionally, just as we look at these teams over the first couple of weeks, the teams that get back, they get bounced, you know, just a byproduct of this league is that, you know, when you have 18 teams or whatever it is, there's going to be weak teams. You know, there's going to be teams that they, they spend a first round pick on a guy who doesn't produce, or, you know, they take a chance at the end of the first early second and those guys don't pan out. I got to say though, and I know this, this almost makes it worse for you, but your team is good. Like, like James Robinson was an RB1 last year. You look at Elijah, Elijah Mitchell, what he did in week one. He's a quality, you know, running back. Justin Herbert, I think most people would agree, is one of the better young and up-and-coming quarterbacks. You know, Goddard is one of those tight ends that I think, outside of the big three, you could argue he's, you know, one of the most reliable or the most exciting tight ends that are out there. And then Robert Woods, Tyreek Hill, and Claypool, those are all going to be guys who – when waivers get run later this week, by the time people hear this, they will have already run, but those are going to be guys that people are, are looking at putting triple digit bids in on those three guys. Now, you know, my, my strategy last week with waivers, maybe we need to talk about that, that a little bit. So I, I spent money on Mitchell and Claypool. Mm-hmm. Turns out I should have just spent money on Aaron Jones because the guy that got oh, him gosh, ended yeah. up having the highest score this week. 
Yeah. Yeah. So no, I should have put point. my money where my mouth is, but that would have only given me a couple more weeks probably, right? Because the guys that spend big dollars early don't don't necessarily end up uh, lasting in the end. Yeah. And that, you know, and that's obviously that's a conversation I think that can take place every week in sort of different iterations, which is how much do you spend? You're right. If you spend, I think Aaron Jones ends up, go, ends up going for about 400 bucks or so this past week. And yeah, yeah, you're right. He gets he gets a ton of fantasy points. And if you have him, you're probably surviving no matter what the rest of your roster looks like. But then at a minimum, the rest of the year, assuming you're not trading for a bunch of fab, you've got 600 bucks to go with the rest of the year. So you're right. You, you add him in week two, maybe you're great. But what do you do in week five and week six and week seven? Do you have the money to continue to, to build a strong roster? Is that, was that sort of the thought process in not dropping $400 last week on somebody? Yeah, it was kind of, you know, zig where others would zag, you know. Uh, I was thinking that, um, you know, somebody was going to go hard after Jones, so I, I wouldn't bother and, you know, try and get, you know, a little more, um, you know, value, uh, like a value play out of Mitchell and, and Claypool. And, um, you know, maybe might have overspent a little bit going, I think I spent like 150 bucks or 151 on Mitchell. Um, but you know, looking at the bid, somebody else had a 148 or a 145 or whatever it was. So, you know, to get the guy, I, you know, I, I needed that bid, but, um, you know, turns out he wasn't the difference on my team. Right. Now I understand it's really only a one week sample size for you to answer this from, but maybe you can just speak to sort of like what your general approach was last year as well. So in an early week when there might be a couple, you know, I, I think last week there was anywhere from three to four guys that I thought if I got them could theoretically start on my team. Are you putting bids in on three to four guys? Are you going to throw, I mean, I know a lot of people whose theory is like, Hey, I'm going to throw out a bid on most people, even if it's low on the hopes that maybe I get someone who falls through the cracks. Or do you just try to focus on, Hey, here are the one or two guys I think I can realistically get. And I'm going to spend my time trying to think of what is the, what's the best bid that can theoretically land me these guys without killing my fab. Yeah, like you know, we're we're in an, excuse me in an eighteen team league with mm-hmm. uh, you know a bunch of very smart guys. So um, I don't put the like the five dollar bids out to see if anybody's going to slip through the cracks. I'm I more I zero in on a couple of guys that I think are are you know my targets, and you know I try and figure out well what what are the bids that are going to uh, you know win me these players without you know breaking the bank, um, and and that's kind of you know. Would I have wanted Aaron Jones on my team? Absolutely. Did I want to spend four hundred dollars in an you know early week? No. So um, I you know I I went after guys that I thought I could get um, for a, a more reasonable price. What do you think Tyreek Hill will command on the market? You know, in what is roughly I don't know the next twelve hours or so, someone else is going to have him on his team. His poor performance is not going to drive that number down, right? We think he's what a minimum three hundred bucks. Oh, at least I, he'll probably go like similar to what Aaron Jones went for. I would think so, someone's going to put some money down. I'm not I mean, going to, you know, at the end of the day, right. He's like a, 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 you know, top five wide receiver. Like he's a stud. So I, you know, I, I'm sure there'll be some guys pony up. Oh yeah. I'm not going to lie. I've looked at it. I've looked at, uh, at the Tyree kill. Cause it, if I spent, you know, four or 500 bucks, I could pair Tyreek Hill with Devontae Adams. And certainly I like that. 
But my biggest weakness is not at wide receiver. My biggest weakness is the fact that every week I'm starting Devin Singletary and Leonard Fournette. <laughs> that's my <laughs> biggest. That's my biggest concern right there. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I don't know that I have a lot of help for you there, but uh, you know, I mean, there's a couple of pieces you could bid on and maybe get get for a reasonable price. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've got a couple of guys that aren't bad. James Robinson, uh, the Elijah Mitchell thing is a little murky now, just because I'm not sure what his yeah. injury situation is going to be moving forward, or anyone honestly in San Francisco. I don't know what anyone's injury situation is moving forward in San Francisco, but. Yeah, you de- I mean, you, you definitely have some backs, but I would just say that's the, like that's the one thing that'll probably keep me out of the Tyreek Hill sweepstakes, if you will, is do I want to spend close to half my fab on what is not the position that I need the most help at? That's hard for me to justify. Yeah, that's fair. You're, you're yeah, you're uh, oh, kind of waited out another week or two and, and see what comes in, in terms of running backs, right? You need somebody with a good running back and nothing else to to, um, you know, have a bad week. If I told you you could sucker punch one of these two people and there could be no retaliation, would you rather sucker punch Tyreek Hill or Anthony Leone? <laughs> uh, There's no, there, there is no retaliation. There's no fear of that. You know, that that's a really funny question because, um, uh, you know, I got to uphold my nice guy reputation. So I'm going to say I'm not going to sucker punch either of them. Although, okay. and I, I can't, we want to, I want to blame Tyreek, but at the end of the day, it was, you know, an entire team um, that just kind of underperformed. It just so happened that Tyreek was the last one playing and should have been able to get one, one catch when, you know, um, Kansas City is driving to, to, to try and kick the winning field goal. One catch, that's it. Like it wasn't asking for much. No, and if you, I mean, I'm, as I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you don't know. There's that third down play in the fourth quarter where it looks like he's getting that catch. It looks like he's getting that yeah, catch on the right yeah. sideline. Yep. Yeah. Nice play by the the cornerback there. <clears throat> I'm oh. sh- I'm sure people will disagree. I actually thought they could have thrown a flag on that play. I actually thought he was holding him a little bit coming out of the break. So I, I was actually kind of yeah, expecting it. I was kind of expecting the, especially because he'd kind of been bottled up all game. It looked like Kansas City was kind of losing control of the game. And I wondered if the refs were going to throw a flag there, you know, not to say that, you know, they have anything against Baltimore, but it seemed like the kind of call Casey would normally get. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair. But I mean, you know, that still does me no good. Other than, True. you know, keep keeps the, the drive, drive alive. Keeps the drive. Yeah, keep the drive alive. But, uh, then they still got to go back to him, right? And they're probably, you know, not necessarily like they. It was kind of the bit of the Kelsey train, and then you know, it seemed mm-hmm. like every other receiver was getting a touch, like um, you know, Hardman, Robinson. Oh, it, it was it was frustrating to watch, but I, you know, I it was just so happened that he was the last player, and you know, he's normally pretty money, so um, you know, you were the expectation was there for him to to do it, but. If he had played at 12 o'clock, I would probably wouldn't have batted an eye at the, the 5.9 and just sure. assume somebody else will pick up. So, you know, so oftentimes in, in leagues like this, it can come down to like, you know, how did you put your team together, especially with the format with the league like this where someone's going home every week. Is there a guy you look at now through these first two weeks, you watch the way they've performed, and you can remember like, hey, this guy was slipping in drafts. And 
I should have gra- I should have grabbed this guy. He was available late, and he's massively outperforming what we thought he was going to be. Is there a guy who you think of like that based on the first two weeks? Um, I want well, maybe just on uh, this week alone, I, not necessarily last week, but I, I'd have to go look where he went in this draft. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like Aaron Jones was kind of slipping in a lot of drafts, um, and and you know. And then he puts up like a Derrick Henry type week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which obviously put, uh, you know, I don't even remember whose team it was, like uh, the, the top score this week. You know, that's kind of one that, that kind of stuck out. Um, can't think of any uh, other ones off the top of my head. But I, there, I mean, there's lots, right? There's lots of guys that, uh, that, that drop from time to time. And, and you, know, um, you know, some of the older guys maybe, like Tom Brady, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, uh, you know, what has he got like nine touchdowns through two games or something like that like he's just like they're already talking about 55 and you know he'll uh he'll come back to earth but you know that might be another one yeah the one guy who i have thought about throughout the first two weeks partially because of what everyone else hasn't done because i know people were really down on him like three weeks ago and that's debo samuel you know people were, Mm -hmm. were really out on him because they thought between you know Trey Sermon and the rest of the running backs there, Kittle, Ayuk, I think a lot. I mean, I I remember having a talk with Corey, who is who is in our guillotine league about it in, in a different league, and I had asked him if he would throw Ayuk in a trade instead of Debo, and he said no way because uh, Ayuk was so much better. And I think I said to him, I kind of see them similarly. Now I, I didn't expect Brandon Ayuk to be getting like one or two targets a week, but. Debo Samuel, I know, is a guy who you could have been getting when people were filling out their bench spots. And right now, I want to say he's like a top five wide receiver. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Um, you know, because, you know, with all the injuries and whatnot, he's like, it's kind of like fallen out of favor in a lot of people's eyes. You know, I have him in a league and, you know, I almost you know, forgot about him. And then it's like, holy smokes, he's actually like, you know, lighting it up. Um, yeah, that, that's a, that's a great one too. And, and for him, to, for him to kind of overtake and, you know, be the leading receiver there over Ayuk was kind of, you know, Kittle aside, I guess, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it all, it all goes through Kittle, but, um, and for Ayuk to have such a slow start, I mean, that, that's pretty shocking. I mean, I just pulled it up while we were just talking there in our guillotine league, Debo is the third wide receiver. He had 31.9 the first week. 16.1 the second week. He's ahead of guys like Amari Cooper, Tyreek Hill, sorry, DeAndre Hopkins, <laughs> Lamb. I mean, the only guys who are having better years oh, through two weeks than him are Cooper Cup, who seems to just be the favorite target of Matthew Stafford now, and Tyler Lockett, who, goodness gracious, is just, I feel like he's catching like a 30-yard touchdown pass every time I look up over the first two weeks. Yeah, and that's another one where you know he would he would have fallen in drafts a, a mm-hmm. decent amount, right? Because like with a with his age and you know it, it, everybody seems to think that you know um, he he's not that elite wide receiver, but he just produces, right? Like he's he's done it for a few years now. I've had him on a couple of teams. It's funny now if you look at the top ten wide receivers. And all of these guys are guys that you could have gotten late when you look at Lockett, Debo, Mike Williams, Marquise Brown, Sterling Shepard. Those guys are all top nine wide receivers right now. And Yeah, that, that, that'd be an interesting study on their, um, 
where they were taken in this guillotine draft. I'm sure, you know, there would have been fairly late for most of those guys. You would think so, right? Especially someone like Sterling Shepard, who with the addition of Galladay to New York, I think a lot of people had kind of written off Sterling Shepard. Marquise Brown, you know, has, he's had 19.4 and 23 the first two weeks. So those have, those have obviously been really good. And Mike Williams has had 22 each of the first two weeks. Another guy who, I think people had kind of written off and now he's, you know, he's the number six wide receiver in this league. So that's just interesting to look at because the guillotine league is so much about like, if you draft poorly, you can be out real quick. And if you draft well, you know, it's, you know, I'm not saying it's easier, but obviously in any league, it's easier to win if you draft well, but specifically in the guillotine league, if you get some of those later round guys to produce as a top end talent, you don't necessarily have to spend your fab early on when there's a lot of competition for all these players. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to go through the draft right now. Like Mike Williams was round nine. Wow. Um, like that. And I Shepard, I'm sure it was later than that. Right. Like Williams would have been picked ahead of uh, Shepard. I mean, we only start eight guys. So basically you would have filled every position and then you would have taken the six wide receiver in the league so far. Yep. Yep. Hundred percent, but I mean, you know, uh, revisionist history is easy, right? There's always some of these guys that are going to um, uh, outperform their ADP, and and it's just a matter of being, um, you know, smart enough to pick those guys. Uh, unfortunately, that wasn't me. Well, and to be fair, anyone who took Mike Williams, I don't, th- I don't think it's that they were smart enough to take Mike Williams, believing that this was the year he would be a, a wide receiver one through the first few weeks. I, I just think. It's, you know, you, at a certain point, you're just, especially in a league this deep, you're drafting guys hoping that they outperform that ADP and hoping that if you hit on enough of those guys, you know, you stick around a while, you use your fab wisely, and maybe you've got a shot moving forward. Advice that you yeah. have for people moving forward as someone who, you, you know, you, you made it a little bit longer last year, obviously, got a little unlucky this year. Advice that you'd give to people other than Anthony Leone? Um, you know what, uh, like it's still a fun format regardless of when you're out. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I've had a great time, um, even, you know, in these two weeks and I'll still be part of the chat over the, the next little while. It's, um, it, it'll, it'll be fun to see guys do well and, and beat each other over, um, you know, uh, you know, sweating it out on, on Sunday night or Monday night, you know, waiting to see who's the last person. So um, you know, if you get out, just take it with a grain of salt because at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's fantasy football and, you know, um, you know, there'll be another day and there'll be another guillotine league and I can't wait for the next one. When you were out, I mean, I think you did say like out suckers right away after you knew you were eliminated, but, but you stick, you stuck around, you've stuck around, you've hung in there. You've still been a part of the chat. I think it's real easy, especially in a league like this, where, if you have a bad week and you quote unquote lose, then, you know, there's, there's not really anything for you to do in terms of setting a lineup or checking waivers or anything like that. So I give you a lot of credit for still hanging in the chat, especially with all the crap coming from Anthony over the last couple of days. So a lot of credit for you for hanging in there. Well, thanks. I, you know, I, I, I play fantasy football in a, a bunch of leagues with a lot of these guys. So, you know, they're, they're a good group of guys to, um, you know, uh, talk football with and, and just, you know, joke around or whatever and and who doesn't want to be a part of a chat with uh you know steps and his antics so um you know I'm, I'm happy to stick around all right hey travis thanks so much for hopping on and talking about 
the guillotine league, how everything went so far, and just sort of looking forward what we think we can find and figure out about this league. I appreciate your time, man. Hey, anytime. I appreciate you doing this, and um, uh, you're a pro, so um, good job. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another week of the officially unofficial Roto Heat Guillotine League podcast. We'll be back next week. I'd like everyone to take notice we didn't make fun of Blair this week, so I don't want to hear anything in the chat about how I've got something against the Canadians. I've got something against Blair. Not true. Fake news. We'll be back next week. Peace.